You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, Comic Book Day, November 30th. And of course, same as usual, I've got Vince. Before we get into any chit-chat, however, I need to remind people again, second week, you have time to apply for the contest that we are having for a signed hardcover copy of Marvel Universe vs. Wolverine, signed by Mr. Jonathan Mayberry himself. We are going to be allowing people to put in their emails, which you can send to contest at comicbookinformer.com, or put in the comments on uh, either the show notes for last week or this week. And from there, some lucky listeners are going to have a very nice Christmas gift. So, how are you doing, buddy? I want the gift. You, oh, yeah, too bad. <laughs> if you're nice, you know, maybe I'll send you one. Maybe. It won't be signed, though. Or I could sign it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just forge Jonathan Mayberry, but I'll misspell it, you know, <laughs> put a Y in there somewhere. <laughs> so... We are actually going to be covering a couple of story arcs, one which is a separate um, miniseries that ran a few years back, but it's worth bringing it up just because I think it was phenomenal. And then another which was actually a story arc as part of an ongoing series. So we're going to start with Powers, and we're going to start with uh, issues one to six, which were in the first volume of Powers, and that was the death of Retro Girl story arc, which then set the tone for Powers from then on, which is now in its third volume, and I'm hoping doing quite well. What are the sales like on that one? I honestly don't, don't know, know, but it's obviously doing well enough that they got a TV series in the works. And it just keeps going on. And yeah. Like, I've been reading up on it like crazy, which we'll get into some of that in the what we've been reading. But, man, I've been devouring them and just loving every single issue. There hasn't been a bad issue. And so when I read the, the first story arc, it really just sucked me in to that world. And it was so well written. And I love the art as well. And... I don't know. I don't know if you dug it as much as I did. I just, I, I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. I first read it uh, several years ago because, you know, my my first comic coming back in was Ultimate Spider-Man by Bendis. So, you know, I found out he had written this other thing. I saw a couple of trade paperbacks in the bookstore. I read, I think, the first three, maybe four volumes of the collected editions. And no, I was really into it. It's, it's very cool. Yeah. So the... The first um, volume, the volume one went for 30 issues, and then the second one went for 30, and the third one, what are they up to now? Do you know? I don't know. know okay, well, while you're talking about it, I'm going to pull that up, actually. <laughs> so tell us about the death of Retro Girl. All right. Well, Death of Retro Girl, first six issues of Powers, uh, came out in 2000, actually under Image Comics before uh, Marvel grabbed up the rights to it in 2004. And this was Bendis, really his entry into superhero comics. Uh, for years, he'd been writing some detective stuff. Um, he did uh, Sam and Twitch, the detective spinoff of the Spawn series with Image. And then he came out with Powers, which was him slowly getting into the more cape side of of this comic writing, which, let's face it, that's where most of the money is. Nobody reads detective comics. So it was a cool transition for him. But what we still got 
was a very reality-based series, uh, kind of like we were talking to uh, Mayberry a few weeks ago, and he said he really wanted to do one of those down-to-earth style series that we've seen in the past, uh, like uh, Marvels or uh, what was the one? Damage Control. Yeah. And that's kind of what we got here. It's these regular people in – it feels like a normal world, just you know, superhero stuff is happening randomly. And I love the buildup to it, even in the first issue. Like, okay, you're in the police station. You see the nut jobs going on, and you're like, okay, it's a it's a goofy town. Things happen, until at the end when they finally reveal Retro Girl's corpse, and you know, she's in full costume and everything. You're like, okay, some this is definitely a little different. And just over the course uh, of these six issues and even the entire series, it starts bringing in more and more of that over the top craziness. Um, I like how they he makes it make sense too, though. Yeah. Because when you're looking at it, and see, this is part of, I, I don't want to say problem, but I thought would be a problem because I knew about the series because we talked about it a little bit, and the the concept was intriguing. But whereas Mayberry was talking about the you know the the insurance people that have to deal with it and the cleanup and things like that, this was the police force for then you're wondering, okay, well, how much power are the police force going to be able to, uh, you know have over these powers and they do it in such a way that or Bendis does it in such a way that it's it makes sense they they realize they have very little power over them however they also have the inhibitors that they use at different places and things like that and then there's a lot of the psychology behind them of trying to you know talk through different things with them and it's done in such a way that it's not it's not insulting to the reader where you're especially myself that when you read something and it's like oh come on no there was none of that it 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 works in that that ip it actually works and you get a lot of that in the scene um with the the, the forensic examiner where yeah. he's trying to autopsy retro girl <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know he can't just use a scalpel and he starts having that this huge meltdown about alien physiology <laughs> and so <laughs> that that was that was some good stuff i like when he's got the blowtorch <laughs> in one of them yeah. and he's ready to cut into the skin with the blowtorch <laughs> so yeah it, it's it's a cool detective story it focuses on uh two detectives uh detective christian walker and his partner uh, a newbie to the force if you will dina and they have to follow up on who killed Retro Girl. And she was this big, iconic hero. Everybody loved her, killed, you know, when she was very young. And, of course, over the course of the story, we learned some interesting things about Retro Girl that uh, definitely sets up a lot of stories in the future. But we also start learning interesting things about Walker. And it's another one of those things. It was that slow build early on. You're like, something's not quite right here. You know, people are recognizing him. People are talking trash to him. And if you don't know the hook, it's it is pretty out of place. Unfortunately, I knew it going in. So it kind of ruined it for me. But of course, we find out Walker himself used to be a power. He used to have, you know, he used to be the superhero known as Diamond before he lost all of his powers and just had to go, you know, Get a day job, basically. Doing his best to still help out society, though. I like that little speech he gave Dina on the rooftop. And just, you know, how much his life has changed. But he still has all these completely insane friends (laughs) that keep popping up at various points throughout the story. He he's that connection to them as well, where you get that those little moments periodically where it's quite the foreshadowing is there. See, I did not know going in, but the foreshadowing was there to the point where the the one guy is putting his hand up to to 
make mm-hmm. it look like the the mask over his mouth kind of thing and different things like that so so you know it's there but the um the the little moments where you see him with powers whom he obviously knew when he was a superhero himself they're they're they, they they add just the right amount of intrigue in the story and, again, make you want to keep reading. Yeah. And not only that, it's a good de- detective story, too. Like, it's not just, oh, you know, we'll wait for the villain to come rob the bank and we'll catch him. Yeah, this, this is – they actually do the detective work, and that, that was very well done in here, too. I mean, it's not like law and order here, but if for, for what's essentially a superhero comic, this was some pretty – good writing of the actual police work and them tracking down the suspects. And of course, I love the scene where they're going around interviewing everybody and you get all the cameos of all the heroes and all the villains. <laughs> Actually, I think you're even selling it a little short. I, I would say that it goes above and beyond that. It's it's not following what we've come to see as stereotypes in comic book stories and how it has mm-hmm. to be written and, you know, the, the mandatory scenes and whatnot. It's a little bit all over the place but it's a controlled havoc and it's it 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 does feel like you're watching you know a cop show kind of thing an nypd mm-hmm. blue or whatever uh jesus i'm dating myself there aren't i wow yeah but we, man, <laughs> at least we, law and order yeah. is still <laughs> anyway but i think that it it does do a good work showing that the detective work and showing how they have to adapt nearly Every way that, uh, uh, you know, what you would expect a normal cop's day to be, they have to adapt to whatever is going on in the superhero and supervillain, you know, community and what's going on mm-hmm. there. So I, it, it's, I don't know, I really loved the progression of the story and that you you weren't always certain where it was going to go. But wherever it went, again, he did such a damn good job keeping it in line and making it so that it makes sense. And especially once we get around to the resolution, I don't want to spoil the who done it part of it. But oh, we this get this is years ago. I think we can. Spoil yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. The the, the statute of limitations on yeah, spoiler. Really. spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but we get the you know, this group of uh, citizens, if you will, civilians is, is a better way to term them who don't like the the superheroes and you know they're 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 activists and you know they're not really trying to do anything bad but they're trying to heighten people's awareness of you know this isn't right and then you have one of them go off the deep end and finding out that you know he created his own uh, power drainer i forget what the heck they called it god i'm so terrible (laughs) power dampener there we are goodness and killed retro girl not because he didn't like retro girl but because he was completely and creepily in love with her and he didn't want her to get old and he didn't want her to be a has-been. He wanted to kill her while she was in her prime so that people could remember her, how she always could be remembered. That's a great freaking hook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's it's great that it wasn't just a a, a supervillain, you know, that it, it was mm-hmm. this villain is much stronger and killed her. And that's what you would have expected. And instead, it was this weird, creepy, psychological person villain kind of thing and it just it was it was again there was a lot of foreshadowing that you started to see especially as it wound down towards the end of the story but at no point did it feel cheapened because of it at no point do you think like it's it's not as climactic an ending because you're not getting that huge battle between the two powers you know a villain and superhero no it just was gripping right till the end yeah and 
just all the little characters that popped up along the way. Uh, the little orphan girl, Callista, oh, loved her. Uh, Cutter, the rival detective, that guy. He he see he he would be at home and chew. He's yeah. so out there. Um, yeah, all the other powers. Uh, Walker's former interest. Uh, what's her name? And uh, Trip Hammer, the you know, the Iron Man, just old crotchety. <laughs> Again, when he's dealing with Dina, that was one of my favorite scenes in this uh, first story arc. When the two of them are going at it. Yeah. She's she's trying to interview him, and he's just laughing in her face. It's just so many great characters here that they're building the story on and throughout the what i read the even more characters that they kept introducing and killing and it's it's a lot going on here and it's a very fun ride the other thing too is that uh bendis did uh, uh, as i've said great job with the writing for the the plot progression and the things like that but the character development is insane and when you're looking at the character development over the length of the series as well so i'm looking at it here volume one was actually from one to 37 volume two was one to 30 and volume three is one to ongoing i still don't know what they're up to but i'm gonna have to i haven't find seen out. one come out in a while i don't right. know what's up with that uh, I, I just finished reading i think it was five and I still have a couple left to read. Um, I, I read all of Volume 2, and I'm only partway through Volume 1. I still need to to find all the, the old back issues of those. But the, the character progression is insanely powerful, insanely well done. And because you, you have such a, a, a stereotype of a character with Walker, and he's that, you know, that always does good, monstrous man, <laughs> just this huge force, and... Yes, he has a dark dark past to a certain... Well, not maybe dark, but intriguing, mysterious, mm-hmm. whatever. But he's always on the side of right. So when you're, you're, you've got a character like that, you have to offset him with something that's a little bit more wild and things like that. And that's where Dina comes in. And this just this little, little blonde woman who just kicks the crap <laughs> out of anybody who gets in her way. And she is really well written right from the get-go because she's not the perfect cop and she's not the perfect person either. And you see things that she does against Walker, against her boyfriend at times later on and different things. And you realize like, this is a flawed woman. This woman's got some serious problems that she's working through in her life and whatnot but she makes for such an interesting character and now i don't want to spoil a lot of what happens with her but in all honesty throughout what has been happening up until now from what i read it's actually dina that steals the series not walker she Mm -hmm. is phenomenal throughout it all and then the little girl also that's the orphan well she keeps coming back throughout and there's another fantastic character their boss the captain oh my god he is just oh god every scene he's in i love he's such a great character so yeah like the the way that he defines his characters and the way that the characters interact with each other which not all writers get that right they they can't do it well he does a fantastic job with that it's going to be interesting seeing how they're going to adapt this for tv because i don't know like i have a i have a hard time Believing yeah. <laughs> it'll be done justice, but stranger things have been known to happen. They do have to have some really, really good actors. <laughs> and insanely good writers, because it's it's all well and good to write a good comic book, but writing a good script for TV is a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. So, 
I, I mean, of course they can do it. It's possible. We've seen superhero things that are done well. I mean, the first season of Heroes was fantastic. From then on, it was crap on a cracker. But, I mean, the first season was great. They can do it. And the concept of this works well with if they give it that edgy kind of, you know, the NYPD blue camera work kind of thing that's edgy and makes it hard, like something that's harsh, then they can pull it off. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really interesting seeing, you know, if assuming everything goes through, uh, Powers is going to be running on FX and ABC is working on a Marvel property uh, based on the Alias comics. Uh, It's a Jessica Jones series. Uh, you know her as the the wife of Power Man, Luke Cage. And what's funny is after Powers was so successful when Bendis came to Marvel, he essentially wrote Powers in a Marvel setting. Uh, it was Jessica Jones as a depowered superheroine uh, running a detective agency. And it was the same thing. So we're going to have two TV shows, theoretically, with the similar premise, both based on comics from the same guy. <laughs> And Bendis just walk into the bank with his stack yeah. of cash. <laughs> okay, let's move away from there. Just to, to say, though, for anybody who hasn't picked these up, you can pick up the trade paperbacks, pick up some back issues as well. Highly, highly recommended. Definitely not a series for kids, though. Right from the get-go, know that. But it is a fantastic series that does not pull punches and that that has a number of surprises throughout that are really, it's a fun ride to be on. I'm assuming you agree completely. Yes. Okay, let's move on to the next one. We spent a lot of time talking about Spider Island just recently and our love of Spider-Man. And one of the miniseries that I actually have been wanting to talk about for a while now was Spider-Man Blue. Now, Spider-Man Blue actually came out, we had to look this up, Spider-Man Blue came out July of 2002 and ran till April of 2003. It was a six-part miniseries that came out and it was written by Jeff Loeb and art by Tim Sale. Basically, it is a miniseries that is full of introspective narrative by Parker talking about the time prior to when when Stacy died. And he's feeling blue because of Valentine's Day and, and whatnot. And it gives you an insight into the man that he was at the time, but not from a narrator's point of view, a, a third-party narrator pr- point of view, but himself as an adult looking back at who he was then. Mm-hmm. And that has the potential to be very powerful if well done because we change over time and it's if you can look back at huge um, moments in your life and look back a, a decade or whatever and see... Uh, see who you were and talk about it and and give that insight into why you made choices and why you thought the way you did about different things, then it has the potential to be really gripping, even though it's it's mainly narrative. Now, I've never hidden my, my I don't want to say hatred, but I mean, in, in my opinion, narrative is such a, a tricky thing because it's, you don't want to, again, you, it's the old show don't tell rule. And you have to be very, very careful because the potential is there to create something that just is boring and that is not actually going to be that's not well written because it's just talk and yet this here is is a huge amount of narrative from Parker himself but it's so well done throughout that it actually works and also because of the 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 
because it's such a part of the story, because he's actually recording himself talking to Gwen long after she's died, explaining why he was the way he was, explaining decisions that he'd made at different times and things like that. And so it actually fits. So the narrative parts are you get the click click from the recorder and you get him talking in different things. And then the the story is showing what was going on during that time leading up to right before she would have been killed. And it doesn't go that far as to show that moment, but it gives all the 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 buildup with Craven the Hunter and whatnot as he's assembling people to try to take Spider-Man out. And then it also shows the backstory where um where Parker is very interested in Gwen. And then when uh when uh, Mary Jane first enters his life and, and how he felt about her. And a lot of people, I mean, if you, if you haven't read a lot of Spider-Man or if you don't know a lot of the backstory about Spider-Man, you're probably only going to know about Mary Jane and figure that was always the love of his life. The, the girl next door, but it wasn't even, I knew that. I mean, reading comic books 25 years ago, though, Gwen Stacy was the first one, the first love. And then he, he lost her and, it was after that that he began to get to to be interested more in, in Mary Jane. And I loved the series also because of how it ended with him with Mary Jane mm-hmm. explaining to Gwen how he couldn't have been with Mary Jane had it not been for the death of Gwen because that is what shaped both of them to be who they are. And it's those people who were so close. It was a fantastic story and I loved every moment of it. Yeah. And I I really love the Gwen Stacy angle. Like obviously she died before I was born. So I never got to read any of those comics, but it's one of those things, you know, obviously years later, some of those things you have to go back and read. And I I read a few of those really old school, you know, comics. And it's of course the issue where Gwen is killed off and I would say Gwen is as much um, her death is as important to Pete's character as Uncle Ben's is. And oh, a lot definitely. of people don't 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 see that because that really changed Pete and Spider-Man and just everything like that was I can only imagine what it was like back at the time because, you know, killing people off these days is nothing. Back in the 60s, that didn't happen very much, especially the major love interest in the comic. My goodness. Well, uh, the fact that they stuck with it, too, and she hasn't come back. So for real. Well, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's come back a few times. Well, I mean, the, the, OK, the, the like come back and been the the yeah. love of his life again, not a clone kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, no, it was. It was something that was so well done in terms of, like you said, incomparable to to Ben's death. And because it was something when you hear that 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 crack of the neck kind of thing when she's she's going down and that doubt of whether it was him who actually was the one who killed her. There was a lot of a lot of powerful moments there through that, that whole little story that was going on. And then to know that that's what this leads to kind of thing, because it doesn't, I was, I was wondering as I was reading this, if they were actually going to show that, but Mm. that's not what's important to the story. What's important to the story is this introspective of him remembering her and him remembering what led up and him explaining to her and in some way trying to, 
to redeem himself, to feel better about himself mm-hmm. by explaining it and trying to rationalize different things and, and all that. And, and it, it was, again, it's very, very powerful the way that it was done. And for anybody who has lost someone insanely close to them, you're, you're, you're reading this and I'm sorry, but if you can read those last few pages and you don't choke up even just a little bit, <laughs> you haven't experienced this kind of thing because those last few pages were insanely powerful when Mary Jane walks in and oh, yeah. finds him recording and she says can you say hi for me and it was like oh my god there was like a freaking huge lump in my throat and I'm going oh holy crap it was just it was so powerful beginning to end and and I, I it's funny because we've we've to, to switch away from the story the we've done a lot of talking about different art styles and whatnot and how I feel about this old style art style kind of thing and how for the most part I'm not crazy about it but in this one here I loved it well of course it especially because because of the flashback yeah but it wasn't just that it was just it was a lot more stylish as well mm-hmm. yeah it it definitely had that that flair that we think of when we, we, we think back on the 60s and 70s and... that's exactly <laughs> it I mean when you can't look at those covers and not think of that time period with the big faces or the big, you know, the, the women behind him and then the big bright bold colors. And I think that in the hands of somebody else, if they just said, you know, make it feel like it's from that time period, it might've come off just like that. The new daredevil relaunch where it was like, no, it just, it's so bad, but no, this is so full of life. It's unbelievable. And you need something full of life when you're telling the story about someone who's died. Well, on that subject, can I just say how much I loved Flash in this series? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now that we, you know, we're reading Venom and seeing, you know, how much Flash's character has changed. But this is how Flash was back, back, you know, in 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 the day. And it's just, <laughs> I love how he's trying so hard on with both Mary Jane and Gwen and Parker. <laughs> It's just so great. It's that it's that little bit of comedy relief that you've really needed in the series. Well, and it's not just that. It's actually it's true to the characters. Yeah. Because as people are reading now and they're reading Venom, like you said, too, they're seeing Flash completely different than we did years ago reading him. So when you're reading this, you're seeing who he was and just how far he's come. This will also help you appreciate, case in point, Venom right now. And realizing the, the the breadth of that character and how much he's changed over the years as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have the stuff with Norman. It's just, it was so perfect. I, I'm glad you made me read this because these, you know, Loeb's color series as they become to be known has been around for a while. I've always heard good things about them, but Jeff Loeb scares me. He's written some of the greatest comics I've ever read and some of the worst comics I've ever read. And I really wasn't sure which one I was going to get until you, you you finally said, no, it's worth it. So Oh, definitely. It's a very good series. You can you can pick it up quite cheaply. Um, and it's it's well worth reading. Even if you you know you, you feel you already know the that backstory, you don't need to, to read it. Read it just for a different twist on it, just to get more in the mind of Parker, to to get that 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 retrospective about what was one of the most difficult periods of his life, kind of thing. And and it it's just a, a fun story to read as well. There's still in 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 addition to that, there's a ton 
of actual action going on as well with him being attacked by, you know, everyone from the freaking <laughs> yeah. Craven to, yeah, to everybody else. Meanwhile, there's giant battles going on in the middle of New York that we're not talking about. And yeah. And like, I mean, the stuff with the, uh, the crocodile doctor dude there. Um, it's just, I loved all of those moments with, with him as well, where he's being Spider-Man and, uh, and, the the, the 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 banter between him and everybody else so again in in addition to these so serious this this serious topic which is always still there you're still getting the narrative even when he is you know going out of his way to fight all of these supervillains and everything you're getting the these these little quips and, and narrative moments where you're getting again a little bit more insight into to the character but from the perspective of the, the man versus mm-hmm. the, the young man. So yeah. fantastic story. Again, if you haven't picked it up, definitely, definitely pick this one up. Great story. Well worth the read. So as for what we've been reading, what have you got on the your plate there? You got Punisher and Journey into Mystery. Yes. Uh, Punisher continues to just be amazing. I For a character that I've always been interested in but never really read that much of, uh, Five issues now into the new series by Greg Rucka, and my goodness, it's just freaking awesome. Uh, and be- the story, the art, it's one of my favorite Marvel comics right now, just without a doubt. I actually only have the last one left to read, but I'm caught up other than that. And I, yeah. I absolutely agree. It's been really a fun ride and and well done. And especially this latest issue, it's it has that 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 moment that just makes you go ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and while Punisher is among my favorite Marvel comics, Journey into Mystery is near the top of the list. And I know you have your issues with this because it's got Thor and all that. And Thor's not even in it anymore. Thor's freaking dead. Okay. Yeah, it's it takes the complete disaster that's going on not just with fear itself but now the stuff spinning out of fear itself with odin going i don't even want to get into it but it's cool because it's loki you get this this plot of everything going on in the background loki had to make about 15 different double deals in order to destroy the dark asgard during fear itself and now he has to kind of make sure everybody gets paid back and he gets to keep all the skin on his body and all that good stuff and it's just it's so much fun because especially Loki's still a little kid in this comic. It's, it's, it's an interesting twist on the character. I'm finding myself really enjoying it. And even more than that, as a longtime Thor fan, the last page of this comic literally gave me chills, plain and simple. It tying back to the iconic Simmonson comics from back in the eighties, that last page was freaking amazing i know you won't care i know you won't like it (laughs) but anybody who is an old school thor fan needs to read this out even if you're not an old school thor fan there's a lot to love in here okay all right i'm still not reading it but that right jerk anything else that that's good that's good okay well like i said i've been I, I, I read the six-part Death Retro Girl, and I went ballistic. <laughs> Seriously, I just, I had to read more, and so I just went on a binge reading powers like crazy, and I am so happy that I did. The story arcs throughout were fantastic. What I like especially, what I've been really enjoying, is that unlike a lot of other comic books where a story arc is going to last, you know, 
maybe five, six issues kind of thing, maybe a little bit longer, depending. The stories here are your freaking 30 issues. Okay. You've got this massive story arc that just continues and it's not so much a story arc so much as this is the setting and then they just run with it for mm-hmm. as long as, as they can. And it just makes for a fantastic series. You can still jump in at any point and still be able to follow fairly easily because of how well done it is. But if you read it beginning to end and you read them all, holy crap in hell, it is absolutely phenomenal. So I've been digging that. In terms of other stuff, I actually got cut up on uh, Nightwing as well which is one of the few ones right now in the, the relaunch that I'm, I'm digging. I'm, I'm actually really enjoying where it's going with the, the circus being passed down to him and everything else. Um, how much have you read of Nightwing? I, I actually kind of fell off of that you one. Did? It okay. just wasn't doing it for me. Okay. Well, basically the, the person who ran the, uh, the circus that he was a part of, um, has a secret. We're still not quite sure what that is. And, uh, he knew that, he was Nightwing, and so he actually left him the circus as well when he died, and he does die in it. Um, it's a great story, especially with the villain that's there, which apparently freaking has Dokken kind of claws, style claws. <laughs> it's like everybody has got to be claws to be cool now. Come on, at least let Marvel have that. Um, but the story is really good, and it's doing a good job defining those characters and and giving them some some room to to you know play and whatnot and i i actually was really quite enjoying it and then i also got caught up on um men of war also which again is i think one of the better series right now and it's it's basically just a military story i shouldn't say just but it's a military story versus a you know powers kind of story really well written really a lot of suspense still a lot of like uh action as well and whatnot and i enjoying it quite a bit yep comics don't have to have guys running around their underwear to be good yeah and then i also got cut up on wonder woman which was like uh, all right uh because she was the last one that, that was just brought in for justice league mm-hmm. and so which was you know, kind of cute. Once again, just getting the full team. It's, it's taking them forever to bring the freaking team together. <laughs> just We're almost th- there. Thank almost God there's there. nothing big happening right now because they'd be screwed. <laughs> they don't have the full <laughs> roster. Um, but I wanted to read the actual Wonder Woman title as well to see how it would tie in, which is not at all, apparently, and uh, and see what they're doing with that story arc. And it's kind of enjoyable, but kind of dragging on as well. And and the big ooh reveals are like, oh come on, really? That's it. So I don't I'm know if you're it. caught up. You are the, the the twists they're putting onto the uh, old myths. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Okay, well I, I I'm not I'm not not liking it, <laughs> which is good for the relaunch. <laughs> it's the most I've liked a Wonder Woman comic ever. Say so. that again. I want you to say that again because I'm the one that's drugged. I'll play that over three times. And <laughs> okay, it's the most I've liked a Wonder Woman comic better, ever. Better. All right, I'll screw it up in outtakes for you. Just, yeah, thanks. I can't have you sounding good. All right, new releases today on the Marvel side. We've got the Avengers Origins Thor, Mister Nancy Pants, number one. We got FF number twelve. We've got Ghost Rider number six. Enjoy it while you can, folks. We've got <laughs> Ultimate Comics Ultimates number four. We've got Uncanny X Men number two, Wolverine number nineteen, X Men Legacy number two fifty nine. You got any of those on your pull list? 
uh, X-Men Legacy. It's the beginning of Mike Carey's last bit there. And uh, still giving Uncanny a shot and Ghost Rider. Yeah. Uncanny, I'm so... I, I want to like it, but... I don't. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm not ready to pull the plug yet. Yeah. I can't. I can't bring myself to it. All right. On the DC side, as we were talking Crickets. about. Yeah, really. <laughs> there's not much. Okay, folks. The only thing worth talking about is actually Uncharted. They're starting a six part miniseries for Uncharted, which if you are not a gamer is, as is obvious from that, a game. So um, I'm really really interested to see what they're going to do with this because the character uh, Nathan Drake can be well done in a comic book. I, I have no doubt about it. It can be well done. Whether it is in this case, well, we'll see after I'm done reading it. Yeah, especially since such a big part of Uncharted is those crazy over-the-top set pieces. I, I, I don't know how they're going to translate that. You just need a good artist. I mean, we've seen crazier than that well, through the freaking artist, war of light and everything. Set up and oh, they can do it. They can do it. I have no doubt. If you can do a, an awesome miniseries based on Mass Effect, uh, based on Star Wars. I mean, you were just talking about on our lore podcast. You were talking about the the, uh, the the Lost Sons for Star Wars and how much you enjoyed that. And I mean, the scope of that is far beyond what we will ever see in an Uncharted game. Yeah, but I've also never seen Jedi's shooting you know, terrorists while hanging out the back of an airplane that's going upside down. And sorry, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we get in uncharted. And that's what we need to, that's what we expect. Okay. You know what? We're going to be talking about it next week. Even if it's only okay. in the, what okay. we've been reading, I will make sure to pick it up and I will read it and then we'll, we'll see what comes of that. And on the, uh, with the rest of the, the, uh, the releases, we've got the absolute complete omnibus volume one of the gutters. And that of course is the strip that's put out online. Which is freaking hilarious. <laughs> Most of the time, there's very few of them that I've kind of didn't think were funny. Most of them were fantastic, of course, having to do with the comic book industry and characters and what's going on. We got Morning Glories hardcover volume one, which if you are a Morning Glories fan like you are, there you go. We finally have the next Mouse Guard Black Axe. I put this in there because, dude, my son has been waiting months for this, okay? <laughs> and I love freaking Mouse Guard stuff as well, too. I really, really do. I think it's so well written. The art is insanely gorgeous. And so he's been waiting for number three forever, and it's finally coming out. It's a six-part miniseries. At this rate, it'll be done in 10 years. We've got some more Star Wars stuff. Again, with the, the Old Republic coming out shortly, the comic books are coming out in force right now. We've We've got Crimson Empire 3, and that's Empire Loss, and it's uh, issue number 2 of 6. And then we've got Dark Times Out of the Wilderness, number 3 of 5. And then lastly, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 4. I'm still enjoying that. I oh, really, it's awesome. really have been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that, that's how you do a relaunch. Yeah, definitely. Okay, with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap for tonight. Make sure to check out the site at comicbookinformer.com. You can find us also on Twitter at CBinformer, and you can email us either at Roger at or Vince at comicbookinformer. Do not forget about our very Mayberry Christmas giveaway. Send us an email at contest at comicbookinformer.com. Tell us what we've put you onto that you otherwise may not have tried reading or something that you disagree with our comics. Like, who was it? The one last week. Somebody uh, left Sean, the con. Sean, his name was? Who, yes. who actually likes Superboy. Who likes Superboy? Uh, maybe the new stuff, the old stuff. He might not get it just because of that. Random draw or not, buddy. You, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> so you can either do that, like I said, send a, an email, or you can leave a comment in the show notes. We will be awarding that book, however, next week. So you've only got a little bit of time to, to uh, submit. With that, we'll let you go, and we'll talk to you guys next week. 
<laughs> go, go drink a gallon oh, of tea. Oh my god, my throat's on fire. All right, but uh, dude, I love it. I just absolutely love it. I can't. It's one of those two that I can't actually stop reading it. I read one and then it ends on a good cliffhanger, and it's like, ah, oh, damn. So then I read the next one. And then it was like, okay, well, I'll just read the first two pages, you know, just of the next see. one just to see what's going to happen. And then you start reading it. And then the next thing you know, it's two in the morning. You're still reading comic books. <laughs> God. Uh, I'm so happy I'm finally caught up. I'm caught up for the first time since we did that new 52 episode. Really? Oh, Jesus. I'm nowhere yes. near caught up. Nowhere <laughs> well, like I said, when, when, you're, when you're 40 issues behind on reading, you start to pare down that list pretty quick. Yeah. Well, I see, that's the thing. I don't have an actual list. I just, you know, I get it and then I read it. But I, uh, I still have issues laying around all over the place. I haven't read. The, for some reason, I don't know if it's just that there's nothing really to speak of that came out this week for DC. Uh, no, there's all this week. Okay, that makes sense. Because my dude, the the comic book dude, sent this out, and it was like, "What the hell? There's nothing on here." Uh, they they planned out their new Fifty Two release schedule for four week months. So a week with five Wednesdays, they're just throwing their hands up in the air. That's hilarious. Okay, then makes sense. Because the only thing that I put in the <laughs> it list was makes sense. No, but, it doesn't. But yeah. yeah, was Uncharted. Yeah. So unless you see something else that you wanted to, because there's... Nope. That, that's, look at my new release list. I think there was six comics on there this week. I didn't even look at the one. You, you have more than I have. Yeah. 